Ron Van Dam. He's always there to listen to you. Oh, uh, hold on. I added a word there. Let me do it again. Ron Van Dam. He's always there to listen to. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot more sense. And you are listening to The Ron Van Dam Show on New England Broadcasting. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. It's The Ron Van Dam Show. Hey, whatever. Hold on tight. Things can get a bit weird. If you like that sort of thing. Thanks for stopping by. I'm going to try to make it worth your while. I'm just going to try. That's the best I can do. I try to expose things, not in the way that you think, but I mean as far as things that we go through that we don't talk about. That's what I do on this show. Maybe that's not obvious until I explain it, but that's, that is what I do. I have a background in sociology. Uh, Yeah, I know. So what do you do with something like that? You do a talk show. Yeah, yeah. I could spend an hour talking about how my shoes don't fit anymore. I don't know if my feet got larger or wider or what, but that's a weird thing. Did that ever happen to you? No? Okay, never mind. I'm trying to connect here. I'm trying to find something we have in common. We all put our pants on the same way over our heads, right? No? Oh, man. Okay, that's enough. We get it. You have a theme song. We get it. You talk during it. I understand what you do. Let me uh, bring to the spotlight some of the people that make this show possible. I do this every once in a while, out of guilt, actually. John Shanahan is our announcer. He's a comedy writer. He's a comedian. He's incredible, man. This His brain is just, like, all over the place, and that's wonderful for me. John Shanahan, he has his own uh, podcast, Hypnagogue. You can connect with that on our NewEnglandBroadcasting.com site, or just go there, because I told you to. Uh, John Shanahan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He does his own radio. He's fantastic, man. And then there's, uh, ooh, Jason Shaw. Background music, theme music, closing music. Composed it, performs it for us. What a man. What a man. Does some of the incidental music on the show, incidentally. And then there's, of course, I cannot leave her out, Nicole Reed. She's the British voice that you hear at the beginning of the program. She does other things with the show. She books many of the national interviews that we do because I'm, I'm not capable to any great extent of doing it, nor can I be bothered. And those are just some of the people that make this show possible. Then I stop in every once in a while and I talk incessantly. Here's the funny thing about me that you won't find very funny. I am not a talkative person. No. Now, if you got to know me, and I hope you don't, because we have lines, you know, set up and borders against those things. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a big talkative person. If you talk to me on the phone, it's just like, get to the point and get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's me. 
Yeah, I am not. I will listen to other people talk. I will soak things in. I'm a great listener because my ears are working really well, I think. I thought they were until I started misunderstanding things. <laughs> but I'm a listener. I'm not a talker. <clears throat> Except for when I do this. You put a microphone in front of my face and I won't shut up. Take it away from my face. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just sitting back. You take care of the drama and the baggage and the problems and the complaining. I'm just going to sit back and watch you go. But put a microphone in front of my face. I will do what you are doing. And I said that I didn't want to do, and that's just talk. So there you go. That's it. Really, there's nothing else to talk about. Have a nice day. Take care. Bye-bye. No, I can't do that. I've got more time here. I have an interesting guest, a series of guests, two guests coming up at the end of the program. And they are going to be talking about uh, uh, anti-racism, which is a good thing to talk about because um, this is one of my pet peeves. I have a dog. That's one of my pets. My other one, peeve-wise, is is the division of people. Um, I you know I don't particularly like people for that very reason. I would love people if they were respectful of each other and humane to each other and helped each other out just naturally and didn't didn't malign other people or tease them or 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 try to put them down or try to destroy them. I can't deal with people when it's like that. And that's the general populace unfortunately. But if everybody was peaceful and helpful and pleasant and nice and respectful and honored everybody's space and mind and everything like that, I would love people. I would embrace them 24 hours a day, not in a physical way, but mentally. But as most of the general population acts like a bunch of wandering assholes, I cannot participate in your ill humanity. And it becomes glaring when we're talking about people that separate us because of our race or our color or our background or anything like that. Because if you closed your eyes and you didn't see them and you just talked to them, you'd find them all to be quite pleasant. But as soon as you open your eyes, it's like, oh, now I've got to categorize you. And I'm always hoping that the younger generation will grow up so that they don't see uh, those differences and they see us all as humans. But that didn't seem to happen. I've talked about this before, and this is the thesis of my disappointment. I grew up, I'm a little bit older than you are, or perhaps a little bit younger. I don't know. I grew up uh, during a generation where the hippies existed. I was somewhat one of them toward the end of their plight. But their message during the Vietnam War, especially in post-Vietnam War, was peace and love. And a lot of people thought, oh, that is so corny, that is so stupid. But it kind of isn't stupid at all. And here was a whole generation that I thought was going to grow up with peace and love and change the world because that's what they did. They protested, they let their feelings be known, and I thought that was going to change everything, and that generation would grow to just take care of everybody out of their respect, love, and peace. And then that generation grew up, and slowly but surely, 
not surely, surely, that generation became this bunch of walking assholes all of a sudden. The peace and love out the freaking window. Is it because they started dealing with real life and couldn't handle the peace and love and insert that that theory into uh, their older life? I don't know the reason. I kind of do, but it's not worth it. The fact is that it did not um, it did not last. Despite all the all the love and peace songs and the and the free love, which is which great because now I got to pay for it. What happened to that generate? Where'd you guys go? I stayed in it. Where did you go? Did reality just kill that entire concept for you? And then we talk about religion, which you're not supposed to talk about on the air, but you know me. I have no boundaries as far as that's concerned. Religion is supposed to make people good, whether it be because of the fear of God, which is like not a reason to do things, really. You don't do things out of fear. Anyway, um, whatever the case may be, whatever your religion is, the idea is to is to find peace and, and to, to find humanity. And that didn't work. As a matter of fact, almost all of our wars have been over, um, we don't like you. We want to destroy you because you're not us. And we want to take care, we want to just annihilate your entire faction. And the religious wars, you can, you can, they're a mile long, longer than a CVS receipt, and that's long. So religion didn't really take care of too much, did it? Better than nothing, perhaps? I don't know, but it kind of didn't solve the problem either. Because baked inside of the human being is this level of anger. And I don't know if it comes from childhood or what, but there's some kind of underlying anger that overtakes the want and need to have peace and respect. And I don't get that, and I don't think I ever will. And it's one of the biggest disappointments of my lifetime is the fact that we can't get along. And uh, that's what my guests at the end of the program are going to talk about because they are introducing, again, that peace and love and accept everybody concept because we're all human beings. We may talk differently. We may look different. But that's a cause for celebration, not for separation. So we're going to talk about that. And they're doing it uh, through the children. We're giving giving another shot to have a generation grow up with uh, the proper mindset and then wondering why that mindset just seems to dissolve as they get older. I I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, I've spouted enough about that. It's one of my, as I say, pet peeves. Perhaps it's the greatest one because it's at the foundation of every problem that we face in our society. And society is very important because it means the getting along of human beings within a grouping. And uh, unless you live in Vermont in a cabin and never go outside, it just doesn't work. Uh, so that's kind of the biggest problem of all. I could get political at this point, but I'm not going to. I'll save that for another show. 
Anyway, my guests will be joining us shortly. As I sit here doing the show today, by the way, we record these things. They're not live. Duh. Duh. I'm not like sitting here waiting for you to turn on the radio or to click on me. I mean, I, and that's not the way that works. <laughs> these, uh, these shows are recorded in the morning of the day that you're listening them to. They're, you know, they're fresh. They're all oh, they're fresh. But I do them very early in the morning before you even wake up. It's the first thing I do. I mean, occupationally. And uh, right now, it's, it's dark outside, and I love it. And uh, I'm sitting in the studio, and it's raining outside. And I hear the rain of the pitter-patter on our studio uh, ceiling. And it's, it's very, very relaxing. It's interesting how rain has become the relaxing concept. I find that very interesting. I do. It's like rain is like a gigantic shower. A lot of us get in the shower and and all our inhibitions just melt to the ground. And that's a wonderful thing. You can lock the bathroom door in, in which your shower is located and nobody can get into that room. This is your time. You're, 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 you're not near your cell phone. We get all wet, you know. You have disconnected from the world. What a concept. Now you're in the shower and you've got this rain coming down out of a, of a shower head onto your head. And you're cleansing your body. You're actually cleaning it. You're using soap or shampoo or whatever, 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 body wash, whatever. And you're cleaning yourself. The concept, the, the, the psychological concept, I'm cleaning myself. I'm cleansing myself. And when you're in there, just a little tip, cleanse your mind too. Cleanse your mind. Don't think about the stuff going on outside of the shower. Stay within the shower and, and just concentrate on cleaning your body and cleaning your soul as the rain comes down upon your head. It's a wonderful experience. Some of us actually start singing in the shower as if we're on some type of a television show with an audience of 10,000 people, and we're singing as if we're, we are the greatest singers in the world because there's an echo in the shower and it makes you sound better. But you know you suck. You know you can't sing, but doesn't matter because you're in the shower and it's you. You're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting you. It's just you and the water coming down on your head. It's a very cleansing time. Now, here's the irony of it. As wonderful a time as it is, and most of us shower quite frequently, when it's raining outside, as it is right now outside of the studio, it's raining rather hard. It's funny because people... Don't like to get in the rain. I'm going to get all wet. Oh, it's raining out. Oh, my God, I can't, I, I'm going to wait here until it stops raining so hard. I don't want to get all wet. I don't want to get my clothes wet. I don't want to get my hair wet. But you love the shower, but you don't like the rain. Oh, I'm scared of the rain. Ooh, 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 it's moist. The rain is coming down. It's all wet. It's all, everything's all wet out there. Ew, ew, ew. What a horrible day. There's no sunshine. It's raining out. No, no. You love the rain. You love the shower. 
They call them rain showers now. There, there, there are shower heads that, that duplicate the, the idea of rain coming down on you. Well, it's, I don't want to get my clothes wet. Oh, my God. If they get wet, what will happen? Will you shrink? Can you not dry your clothes off or something like that? Do you not have an umbrella or a hat? Oh, look, it's raining out. Oh, no. And it's so dismal out. It's not dismal. It's lovely. It's cleansing the earth. Plants will grow. Trees will grow. Grass will grow. It cleanses the earth. You need the rain. Otherwise, you ain't drinking water. You need the rain as you do in the shower, where you embrace it, but when it's happening outside, not so much. I told you at the beginning of the program that I talk about things that other people don't really talk about. There's your example right there. When we point things out about ourselves, we it's, a, it's like an aha moment. Oprah started that shit. She, I'm sorry, I said Oprah by mistake. Oprah started that. She called it an aha moment where all of a sudden she's like um, counting her money or something. And she looks up and she goes, aha, aha, I have a lot of money, aha. That's Oprah's aha moment. And she's telling you, people who have far less money than she does, she's telling you to find your aha moment. Well, my aha moment may not be counting cash. <laughs> Let's see, $1, $2, $3, aha, I have $3. Now, Oprah, it doesn't work the same way. We might have a few less ahas than you do. <laughs> Opie, 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 Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. She lost weight. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I don't know why she didn't do this before. As I've said so many times, Oprah has so much money that she could just sit in a chair and have hire people to move her limbs for her. Betty, can you raise my left arm? And when I do that, uh, Frank, uh, lower my right arm and then um, alternate between the two of you. And uh, Betty Jo, uh, you move my right leg. Uh, Bobby Joe, I don't know why I'm choosing strange names. Uh, you move my left leg and um, you exercise my limbs, everybody. I'm going to sit here and just go, aha, aha. Oprah doesn't have to eat junk food, uh, the cheap stuff off the shelf in the supermarket. Oprah can have the finest foods in the world. She can afford uh, to buy some of the finest countries in the world. Um, she should have lost weight a long time ago. But I guess when you have a lot of money, you somehow get overindulgent in things because you know you can have anything. I don't care for people that flaunt their cash in front of our faces. If you have that much money, why don't you just like release some of it to things that will help people um, have a better life like you seem to be enjoying? I, you know, I'm not. I'm not quite getting this, this, this weird hum, humanitarian um, um, disconnect for some reason. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Anyway, my guests do get it, and we're going to speak to them momentarily. And thank you for listening to me. 
by the way. Uh, short commercial break, shall we? Why not? Sure, huh? Hey, do you like uh, do you like toast? Me too. Looking for someplace new and fun to take the family for breakfast? Then it's time to try Greg's House of Avocado Toast. Featuring all your breakfast favorites. White toast, wheat toast, rye toast, yes, even multigrain toast, and more, all topped with creamy avocado. Or mix it up a little with a toasted English muffin topped with avocado. Come in every Thursday for our chef's special creation, sourdough toast with avocado. If it's toast with avocado on top, you'll find it, and nothing else, at Greg's House of Avocado Toast. Joanna Ho joins us and Liz Kleinrock, and they are both uh, authors of a great book, which is actually quite important, although it may not seem so on the surface. Uh, the book is Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders and uh, Answer Questions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to me, there is a wonder of this world, how it has not progressed as fast as I would like it to. Um, but that uh, that's something else, uh, perhaps. This book is about uh, people and uh, anti-racism and that sort of thing. But it it's it's for the younger and also really the older, but it's for the younger to help understand what's going on here. Um, how did the both of you collaborate on this book? Hi, this is Joanna. Um, this book is about a young Korean transracial adoptee and um, her journey of finding her own power to tell her own story. And I am not a transracial adoptee. So I knew in creating this book that I, you know, I could not do this without mm -hmm. a, a somebody who had that experience and Liz Kleinrock, who is an unbelievable writer and educator. I knew that she is the person um, like, this project couldn't exist without her as a partner. Right. Well, both of you are, are educators, and uh, both are coming from the same page uh, in the book, so to speak. Uh, how did you actually hook up? Did, did one contact the other? Yeah, I. so I um, reached out to Liz. We known each other on social media so you know people okay. often say things about social but i think one of the beautiful things is the way it helps people connect and that is yes. how our friendship first started okay uh liz you have uh, for a long time been an advocate for uh for people uh going across uh divisions and, and living life the proper way right. uh you've been doing this a while right I have, yeah. Um, mainly through education. This is now, mm -hmm. I think, my 14th year working in schools. Yeah. Uh, the book is intended for younger people. Is that the case? It is. I would say, I think we're marketed around ages like four through eight, mm -hmm. but I definitely think that there are messages that can be received and that would be valuable to children who are younger as well as humans who are older than that. Yeah, the message is, is of course, that we're not all the same, and that's something we should be celebrating, but at the same time, there are some people that use that as a division, and that's the last thing we need these days is division. Um, do you believe that uh, the, the child is molded by their parents' opinions of, of the social world, or where do they get this from? You know, that's a really good question. I think that 
when considering all of the things that children are exposed to in the world, it's pretty much the same things that adults are exposed to, except yeah. kids have less context, less background knowledge, less vocabulary to ask questions and to make sense of what's happening. So when I think about stories like this um, and what you mentioned around like anti-racism, I would say this is very much like an anti-bias text mm. because even when I talk to children about what does it mean to be an adoptee, usually there's some sort of definition and then the addition of, and it's because yeah. X, Y, Z, there's that assumption that people understand why right. someone is adopted and we can't be putting those assumptions because every adoptee's experience and journey is different. Yeah, it, um, and it, it is a difficult journey at times as well, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think this book does a really lovely job of embracing the complexity and nuance that, you know, multiple things can be true at the same time. I can have the trauma and grief and sadness and wondering at the loss of not knowing my biological family, yeah. and I can also love my adoptive family at the same time. Like, we have a great relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing, but it, it's confusing for people who try to, to try to locate their identity at a young age. I, I, I grew up in a generation where the big uh, catchphrase was, uh, I, I have to find myself. I don't know where I am. Uh, I, I have to find myself. And I, I thought that was a stupid thing, but then I realized it's not stupid. And that that's what that's foundation, right? Yeah, very much so. And I think it's hard enough when you are raised with your biological family. Yeah. And so add on the complexity and challenge of not looking like the people around you or not yeah. having, you know, connection to your birth culture just adds this layer of challenge. Yeah. You know, I used to think that the younger generation was smarter and didn't see these divisions and didn't see these lines. And then recently you have these situations at some of the colleges who were doing anti, uh, you know, doing uh, racist things. Um, and, and then I just wondered like, where are they learning that from? I thought that the younger generation was beyond that, but I guess no one's really beyond that. We have to keep on top of it, don't we? Very much so. I think it is a problem. It's the group project, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that involves everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what your identity is. Like bias is something that we all hold and it's something that we all need to yeah. work towards dismantling and checking ourselves. Yeah. Well, it's 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 the social problem of life of the world. I mean, if there wasn't this these types of lines and this kind of bias and racism, then we wouldn't have wars and a lot of these things that lock other people out and make them en uh, targets instead of friends. It's a difficult thing, and I'm glad that you're doing this, uh, Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders, to help people understand, especially younger people, um, where it's really at, and that there's there are tender moments uh, beneath these these bias situations um are you working on something else at this point yet are you going to collaborate again this is joanna um i loved having the opportunity to collaborate with liz it's such an honor to be part of telling her story together with her and helping that come into the world yeah. um and just know that it takes so much courage to put yourself on the page with that so it's been such a gift for me yes. i have um I would love to collaborate on another book together, and we have are always plotting ideas. I have another book out in April called I, uh, We Who Produce Pearls, mm -hmm. an anthem for Asian America, which speaks very much to many of the things that we've already discussed on this, this show so far, yes. and about the history 
and the power within the Asian American community. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I have to mm. give up. I have to give a plug for that book because I have read the draft and it's beautiful uh, and it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> give, give us a title. You have books out too. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about I the do. other books, There's, please. Yeah, tell me. Uh, the next book that I have coming out is a collaboration with uh, a mutual friend of mine and Joanna's, uh, Caroline Cousin Pritchard, and. It is a middle grade nonfiction biography collection called mm. What Jewish Looks Like, because I was adopted into Jewish home uh-huh. and was always told, not surprisingly growing up, that you don't look Jewish. <laughs> and so it's really trying to interrogate what that means and yeah. really explore the beauty and diversity of the global Jewish community. Wow. Uh, yeah. Is there a website that, that, well, maybe individual websites, uh, certainly there's one for the book where we can follow these other writings as well. Sure. This is Joanna again. Yes. Uh, mine is Joanna Ho, J-O-A-N-N-A-H-O, right? dot com, And then it's the same Joanna Ho writes on all the social media okay. platforms. So you can receive updates there. Great. And Liz? Uh, my website is www.lizkleinrock, K-L-E-I-N-R-O-C-K.com. Um, and my social media handle is at Teach and Transform. Great. Well, you're both heroes to me as far as I'm concerned because you're trying to make the world a better place. And that means for all of us in, in, in total. And thank you for doing that, for stepping up, because we need to do that more I mean, even 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 uh, high school bullying and that kind of thing. I mean, it it all falls into place to accept other people and and uh, start start getting this down for start making the human race like what it's supposed to be for a change. Thank you very much. This book, though, is Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders. It's available everywhere. I assume you've heard the websites. It's been a pleasure speaking to the both of you. You take care now. Well, that'll do it for me today. I'll be back again on Monday. Ooh, with a brand new program. Have a wonderful weekend, unless you're in the middle of the weekend now, in which case, I hope you're enjoying it. Okay, all right, that's it. Goodbye. I wish you peace. <laughs>